Hello, this is Tim from the MPO Sports Podcast. I'm providing you with a special edition this time round, just in between our uh, last episode and the future one coming in a few weeks. And we've decided to tackle the world game or soccer and have a bit of a look and a review of the ALE Grand Final, which was played last Sunday. Today is the 5th of September. So we also know in seven days' time, we've got the EPL recommencement for the new season. So we'll be discussing EPL as well. Unfortunately, Jeremy and Aaron have work commitments and cannot join me. But fortunately for us, Josh Watson's joined us. Uh, He usually provides our editing of our episodes. And Josh is a big fan of the world game. And he's here to help me get through um, the topics tonight. Uh, How are you going, Josh? Yeah, I'm going pretty good, Tim. Yeah, so I've really enjoyed editing the episodes for this podcast, you know, and I'm really, really glad to be joining you tonight to talk about the world game. And uh, hopefully, you know, the good editing continues for you guys because I reckon you guys create good content and talk about really good, good. Um, how would you say, like a lot of sports and you know, have a good chuckle along the way as well. <clears throat> yeah, and we do have a bit of banter because we don't necessarily see eye to eye all the time, but oh, that's that's all good. <laughs> um, but just while we're just before we go on to the first topic, I uh, just want to make it clear to everyone that um, we're in a situation where we're going to do the odd special because we find that um, our you know, episode after episode sort of format that we do, which we're really happy with, doesn't necessarily get us to go hugely in-depth into certain sports. So this is our first sampler of it. So I hope people get on board and have a listen. All right. So the first um, discussion point we've got listed for this episode is the A-League Grand Final, which was played last Sunday, as I mentioned in the intro. The result ended up a 1-0 win to Sydney uh, in extra time. And it was deep into extra time by the time they scored. I think there was about five minutes left or something like that, Josh. Is that correct? Um, it was about uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was sort of a good five minutes into the second um, half of extra time then. Um, <clears throat> a bit disappointing. Uh, Josh and myself are both city members. So you can imagine our hearts are bleeding a bit. So, you know, sort of excuse our, uh, you know, dullness and... Uh, feelings about this game result but uh, the Dalbridge goal was interesting it was disallowed um, to the letter of the law it was correct but I believe um, probably more of a hindrance to Redmayne was his own defenders for blocking it but uh, what were your thoughts on that Josh? Yeah I couldn't agree more you know that disallowed goal really like I'd say it really set the tone for the rest of the game for us because we dominated the first 20 minutes and then that disallowed goal but yeah, like I've said, like I said multiple times after the game, just if Wales wasn't in front of Redmayne, it probably would have been a goal and we probably would have ran away with the title at that point. But Sydney came out firing in the second half and then kept pushing each other. Yellow cards being, uh, you know, thrown here and there. Went into extra time and the intensity was still up. But unfortunately, you know, for us, Grant got the goal off his chest a very... I would say fluke, a very lucky goal. And then they ended up running away with it. Still still a bit, you know, salty about it, but what can you do? That's football. And look, credit with Chris Jew. Um, Grant was clearly the best player on the park, I think, for us. It was um, <clears throat> young Tommy Glover was probably our standout um, in the goals. Yeah. He but, was uh, 
Yeah, and let's not take anything away from Ryan Grant. And I think, and I believe the big reason why we won two nil in the last game that we played him in the season was probably due to the fact that Grant wasn't playing because they miss his run when he's not on the park. But talking about Ryan Grant, um, his his goal celebration with the removal part part partial removal of his jersey. I, I now, that's technically to the letter of Laura Yellow, second yellow, and he shouldn't have been in the game for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It should have been a second uh, yellow by the rules. You know, they disallowed our goals, uh, our goals sorry, because of the because of the obstructing the keeper's view in, a, yep. in an offside position rule. Yeah, so that really should have been a yellow to him. But Chris Beath, he was having a terrible game, I reckon, and he shouldn't have been ref in the game. It should have been Rigari, the... Guest, he's like a guest ref. He's ref a few games and he's ref big games. He should have been the ref, not Chris Beath. It just had to be him. <laughs> no, nah, and look, I, I've never, I can't recall him ever having a good game. And and the other thing that's come out of this game on a lot of social media was a lot of criticism about the standard of the game. Um, I thought it was played at a reasonable level considering the pressure. <clears throat> and we know in Australia we love our grand finals. So you, you, you do add a bit of perceived pressure there anyway. Uh, what were your thoughts? Overall, I thought it was a really good game to watch personally because, you know, we're football people. But, you know, for the outside, it might have seemed, yeah, like watching the grass grow or whatever. But it was really, it was a really tight contest. It was, you know, both teams' um, intensities were up a notch because of the colder weather, obviously. And football's meant to be played in winter, no doubt. No doubt, It's not meant to be played in hot, hot conditions. And that's what really got the players continuing on to 120 minutes. You know, the legs were tired a bit, but the intensity was still there. You know, we were still pushing once we went down, still pushing, but we just couldn't get the ball past Redmayne, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, look, <clears throat> I know the games that we played in winter, but... I'm anti going to winter again um, for our top tier of football because I like the fact that um, playing it in the summer, even though, yes, we do get the odd game where heat's an issue, <clears throat> I, I believe we won't see decent imports anyway um, if we're playing it in the off-season because a lot of clubs won't want to uh, risk players when they should be resting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, but uh, other than that, um, we're about ready to move on to our next topic, which we're going to look at. uh, How do teams close the gap with Sydney? Um, So we'll be back after a short break and we'll discuss that. And we're back from our short break. And now we're going to tackle the topic of how do the other teams close the gap with Sydney? Um, now, before we get into some of the other teams, I'll just exp- oh, so, sorry, some of the teams, I should say, a bit of a bit tongue-tied there. Um, what we've decided to do is go from num- from second place down to number eleven and sort of see what they're going to do to close the gap. Obviously, with the new inclusion of Macarthur coming up for the next season, um, they will obviously make it twelve teams. Unfortunately, we don't know enough about them at this stage, so we will um, exclude them from this discussion. We might be able to revisit that um, at another time once the new A-League season started, and we might even be able to um, do a bit of a how the season's going at that stage as a special, and um, we can focus a bit on MacArthur then being the new boys on the block. Now, City finished second. I believe myself they have closed the gap a bit, but they probably need to take another step or two 
to completely close the gap and make it sort of playing on a level field with Sydney. I believe City played the better football in bigger periods in the grand final. But as we said, um, football's a funny game. And sometimes the team that plays the best football over the majority of the time doesn't get the result. And I believe that was probably the case. And, and most neutral supporters have said the same stuff. So I don't think our bias with City is playing anything in that. What were your thoughts, Josh, with City? What, have they closed the gap? Are they closing the gap? What's going on? Yeah, well, that grand final showed that we closed the gap. We really gave it to them. And, you know, unfortunately, Eric left. You know, good luck to him. But now we uh, got Paddy Kisnorba as our new manager. And he's had more than enough, you know, time to learn everything. And I think he's ready. I personally think he's ready. Some fans are not really happy with it. But I am, personally. So... We're finally getting the taste of our grand final football and it's really the first stepping stones into succeeding in the future. Sosaeta was the missing piece in the grand final, like you've said a few times. And uh, Wales just isn't the answer, I feel so. And I reckon we shouldn't re-sign Florin and get a new number 10 marquee. We're two signings away from breaching the gap to Sydney. Yeah, no, and and that's a fair call, and I and I believe up back it's the best we've looked for years, and probably a bit of that comes from the Joyce coaching, believe it or not, because <clears throat> let's face it, he focused on defence and not necessarily attack, so that's probably actually set us a good foundation up back anyway. So that's probably something positive to take out of that. As far as Paddy goes, from my perspective, I think he's cut his teeth with some decent. Um, experienced people and he's won silverware for the w league team so why not give him a go anyway yeah. uh the, the next club that we're going to discuss is phoenix what are your thoughts of phoenix what do they have to do so yeah ulfak tale he did a fantastic job for his first season with wellington he surprised a lot of people including myself who i thought they'll finish last but they finished third so they've got a big loss in liberto cacache who was the best left back in the A-League, and they really need to replace him. That's probably one of the most important things. And um, overall, their team is very good. Just pretty simple. they got to keep majority of their players and replace Kikachi, of course. That's a fair um, analysis of that, I believe, with the Phoenix. And they were surprises. <clears throat> and they probably had the hardest um, task of all, actually, in the restart, having to completely relocate their lives. So that showed a lot of mental toughness for me. <clears throat> um, the Raw, what do they have to do? Now, I actually think they were stiff. They could have been... They were very close to a grand final berth. Very close. Yeah, yeah. They were very close. And the whole Robbie Fowler debacle didn't help. How he, you know, he had problems with the club, you know, asking if he could come back. And then he just left overall to stay in England. So they got a... They got a replacement in Warren Moon, who was their assistant. He's eager to prove, prove himself, and he did show in the restart and in the finals with um, a similar style that Fowler set up for the team. And I really think um, if they just stick with their guns, they should do very well next season. And with in-men leaving, um, leaving to India, uh, same as a few other players, and um, they really need to replace him. And uh, they need to keep... The, the younger players, such as Dylan Wenzel-Holes, is probably one of the best young strikers going around. No, that, and yet again, another fair analysis of um, the Raw. Um, 
I, I look, I think they got the best out of what they had um, this year, and as I said, they, they were very stiff. Uh, the new kids on the block, which was Western United, um, I would have thought not many people would have picked them to play finals, and in their first year to play finals. Yeah, no, they did. They they did a pretty good job. They surprised a lot. Um, the Wu did a great job in their inaugural season, you know, making the finals, which was probably their main goal, and they achieved it. They really need to keep that momentum going into next season. Obviously, they need to keep their visas, such as um, Diamante, who re-signed, uh, Barisha, um, Tamaki Imai, who did very well in that back three. And they obviously need to keep their young, talented players as well. The key one being Max Burgess. So they really need to make sure he doesn't go off overseas because he's very important for their attack. Yep. Uh, pretty pretty spot on there. And look, um, <clears throat> considering there's a few young blokes in that team, I thought Diamati's, um, Diamate, Diamati, however you want to pronounce it, um, I felt his behaviour in the semi-final wasn't really a good look with the young squad uh, members. Um, I thought uh, it probably lacked leadership <clears throat> anyway, but that's just my opinion. And uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I didn't think it was a good look. Glory, um, they look like a shambles at the moment for a team that's played finals. Yeah. Absolute shambles. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're a massive shambles, you know, with um, <clears throat> they've got no popper now. He's left, he's off to Greece, and the owner wanting to find some extra funds somewhere through, like, you know, shares. Of mm-hmm. course. And um, at the start, Popper came in and completely changed the team around. You know, they made a grand final, lost on penalties to Sydney, made the finals again, but didn't even make it to the grand final. Mm-hmm. So Popper got frustrated and he left, fair enough. You know, he took the opportunity to go to Europe. So now that he's left, um, they really need to start rebuilding again, <laughs> again under a new manager, and probably the only option available right now is John Aloisi, you know, mm. which is probably not the best option, but, you know, he is a cheap option and he's an Aussie manager, so... And look, in, yeah, you're right. And end of the day, if, the, if money's a problem, they're going to have to go with someone local anyway, so they may uh, be in a bit of bother. All righty. Now, the next um, cab off the rank is Adelaide. And look, I don't think Adelaide really needs to do much. They were probably just a no. bit stiff not to play finals. And if they hadn't made the finals, they were a red herring to um, worry a few teams. Exactly. Yeah, no, they've, um, Adelaide have been on and off. But, you know, when Verbeck came in, he did very well with this team. But obviously, he had to leave due to COVID-19. You know, he had to go back home. But they brought in uh, Cole Vart, who was an older, you know, an old captain, an old player for Adelaide. And obviously, they've chosen him to, you know, set uh, set sail on the ship of um, local talent. You know, like they've been doing for many years. That's their that's their overall culture is to bring in that that local talent and to get them playing. Uh, they really need to continue the development of their local of their local players. You know, look at McGree, for example. You know, he's probably one of the best young midfielders going around. And if they can keep him, that would be fantastic if they can. They've got to try to keep their visa players around. But if they can't keep McGree, they need to find a really good replacement for him. Yep. Would, would you, if they got into trouble um, with managers, would you go down the path of bringing back, um, what was the guy's name? Um, escapes me at the moment. He's part of the Fox coverage normally. 
strike. Oh, um, oh, oh yeah. Oh, then, yeah, it escapes me. Um, oh. oh, we should know it too. Yeah, you put, yeah. uh, oh gosh. Oh, look, I'm sorry, um, listeners. I, um, yeah, it escapes me. Yeah, um, we we look like fools because <laughs> yeah. um, he he actually was a past coach. Jeez, uh, 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Escaping um, me too. Yeah. I'll I'll look up his name. Why um, you um, tell us what you think the Jets are going to do. Look, look, the, the Jets are probably going to be the only team with a foreign manager, luckily, you know, with every other team having Aussie coaches. But Carl Robinson has come in and done a fantastic job with the Jets. They're probably one of the most informed team after the restart. Carl uh, Robinson, you know, fun fact, he did uh, develop Alfonso Davies back mm-hmm. at the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, but yeah, what they really need to do is just to retain their good players. They need to keep Joe Ledley around if his family can get to Australia because I reckon he'll be very important for them. And they need to sign some uh, new players to replace the older ones, such as their skipper, Nigel Bogard. They're looking at James Donachie at Victory, which I'm not sure if they still are, but he would be a really good replacement for Bogard. They just need to... Yeah, they're on the right track, though. They're on the right track. Yeah, um, I, I was quite impressed, and um, the brothers go really well for them as well. And yeah. um, they really played some good football in in the restart. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, what do they have to do to catch up? Look, uh, you know, Babel, Babel's departure wasn't great. You know, I thought at the start they were going to finish like top of the table, like around the top, like top three, because they had a really good team assembled. It's just. Babel's attitude in the media and how he dissed his players, you know, in front of front of the media isn't a good look for a manager. And he departed and then he talked crap about the league and just wasn't a good look. And then Jean-Paul DiMarigny came in, who was an assistant to Babel. He really wanted to take over as well. But they really regained form. And But now with Duke departing, you know, who was their captain, who's um, who was a really good attacker for them, probably their best player. They need to they need to replace him first and foremost. And there's gonna be others to follow like uh your your Boa, um Swigler, I'm pretty sure is gonna leave. So they really need to replace these guys to go, you know, to really I'd say reach their crosstown rivals. Uh yeah, and look, it's not all doom and gloom. Um it wouldn't take much from the turn it around. And can I just put an official apology out to John Cosmina? Ha, Cosmina, Cosy, oh, that's yes, right, Cosy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do apologise, um, John. Uh, we do love listening to your velvet uh, tones when you uh, engage in uh, your role at uh, Fox Sports. <laughs> uh, Victory, what do they have to do? Oh, where to start with? Where to start for Victory, our rivals? Um, bad manager appointment in uh, Marco Kerr's, bad player recruitment with their visa players and a very bad season overall, finishing second last. So it's probably the worst I've ever seen the victory. What do they need? A massive rebuild. Uh, with Grant Brebner as their new manager, he can he can turn it around for them because he, he knows the club, he knows the culture, he worked under musket. So he really needs, he knows how to get back to what the team was and, 
where they were at under musket and they, they really need to rebuild their probably majority of their team a good eight to nine players they, they need to bring in you know bring in to really go back to the top where they were I hope they don't I want them to stay down the bottom but you know I'll be nice and yeah they just they really they need a big rebuild yep I think it's a fair uh a fair summary of um, victory and uh, where they're at. Um, they're probably, even though they're quite a few spots below, and they're probably at the same stage as Glory, really, when you look at it, because both yeah. clubs are an absolute cock-up, you might say, at the moment. They're yeah. just not functioning. Now, Central Coast, which um, do have one player on their list that I actually love um, watching play because he's colourful and he, he may not be the most skilled or the best player going around, but he adds something to the team, and that's uh, Matt Simon. What are your thoughts uh, for Central Coast? Look, uh, Mariners were once a championship-winning team, you know, de- developing players yep. like Matty Ryan, Tommy Rogic all these players that have gone on to play for the soccer is, and they've just gone downhill year after year, you know, three wooden spoons uh, talks to kicking them out of the league. And um, what this team really needs is new owners, new investors to put money into this team. And uh, look, they've got good young players, but they've lost one Samuel Silvera to a Portuguese team. So they really need to, keep as many good young players as they can. They just, but overall, they just need new owners and they're a long way off from being close to Sydney. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair, um, actually, uh, analysis of their situation. All right, so we'll move on to <clears throat> our uh, last A-League topic before we have a break and then start talking everything EPL. And that's um, how does the A-League grow and provide a product that actually gets more interest domestically and maybe even um, more success in um, the Asian Champions League. Um, my first question is, should there be a cap? What are your um, thoughts? Look, for longer term, no, I think they should scrap the cap, you know. Yeah, they really need a scrapper because I think the cap's at... Uh, I was at. I'm not sure if they're going to keep the cap because of the financial restraints because of COVID, but it was at 3.4 million, I believe. And that's not a lot of money, you know, for, for a squad of uh, 23, I believe. So they really need to scrap it for the future term, uh, for the longer term, I should say. And uh, really, once they do that, they just need to bring owners, investors in to bring money into the league. And at that point, you can scrap the cap. But at the moment, you just can't because of the financial hit that the league has took. But, and, you know, this whole TV broadcast rights with Fox Sports has been a debacle as well. I would say probably change it to a new broadcast partner if they can to bring even more money into the league. It's just the financials, really. Once you bring the financials, you can scrap the cap. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and look, um, I don't think the game grows with, with, with the cap. Um because you don't lure decent um, talent from Europe and around the world with that case. And, and on that cap figure you you quoted, um, that'd be a list player in Europe. Yeah. You know, that's someone that just sits on the bench, let alone a whole team, um, which is quite kind of a worry. Um, the the, the um, next question is, how many teams should we have 
in the A-League um, itself. Um, our top tier, how many teams do you think is to go? Ideally, the the happy medium would be 14 teams because you can have uh, 26 games home and away. It would be, you know, even Stevens, <laughs> as the saying goes by. But would be nice to have a max of 16, but I really think 14 is that happy medium, I reckon. But, look, the, te- the new teams they bring in, they can't be from Victoria or New South Wales because there's just so many teams from these states. So... They need to bring in like another South Australian, another Queensland, another Western Australian team to have like a another rival to Adelaide United, Perth Glory, Brisbane, etc. And they need to bring a team from Canberra because they got a they got a W League team. Why not have a men's team or <clears throat> another option? Have a Tasmanian team, which is something different because there has been talent coming out of Tasmania, such as Natty Atkinson. <clears throat> Very true. Um, I, and I guess um, another option would be a second New Zealand team as well, if they're yeah, if they're looking at that sort of thing um, as well. And the other question is, uh, do we need to look at developing a second tier competition so we can have that relegation and promotion happening? Uh, my thoughts are it's probably ten years away, but I think now's the time to start planning because um, we need it ready to go once we sort out the actual top tier competition, once that's fully developed? Yeah, start planning now, definitely. You know, 10-year plan, whatever, just start planning it because I really think towards the longer term, this is really what will make the A-League competitive to have a um, promotion relegation. But the problem I have with this is what they really need to figure out is... uh, with the MPL teams, the National Premier League teams, you know they're all they're all separate. And um, you've uh, you've suggested this before, so to actually combine all the MPL teams together into one league, so have mm-hmm. you know MPL Victoria, MPL South Australia, etc., yeah. into the same league. But the problem I have is, if say a South Melbourne, a Sydney, Croatia. Um, gets promoted, are they going to be financially stable as a club to stay up? Because are they going to have enough money to pay for their staff, to pay for their players, to bring better players in to compete in the A-League? That's the only concern I have with that. That's why it needs to be a 10-year plan, like you said. Yeah, and I think, too, if they can sort out the top tier in the A-League, it might be more able to support the new teams coming in, where at the moment they're going to struggle to support 12 teams. Um, Yeah with the COVID-19. And <clears throat> I think for the league to grow too, they need to look at the professionalism of the telecast. Um, you, if you don't follow a Sydney team uh, and you listen to that, or sorry, New South Wales team will say, we'll, we'll do the state rivalry. Uh, quite a few of those commentators that they utilise, they're extreme bias to teams oh. that come from Sydney or New South Wales is phenomenal. As far as Andy Harper goes, he literally nearly barracks in the box. And Robbie Slater's not much better, you know? Oh, Um, Slater. Yeah. And to me, the pick of them, and I'm going to cop flack from people that follow the game and follow the Fox coverage, but I think Boz's yards ahead of him. I think he's the most neutral and probably got the best football brain out of them all. Oh, yeah. Yep, you think yeah, that's I fair? Love yeah, yeah. I, I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, and yeah. whatnot like that. So, 
anyway, on the back of that, um, we're going to have another short break. And then when we come back, we'll discuss um, all things EPL leading into the first week of the 2020-21 season. Okay, so we'll be back at the other side of this break. Welcome back. Um, we're now ready to hit the ground running with the EPL side of things of the show and um, a bit of a review of the first week of the return. I'd just like to point out um, the, the good work that's been done um, to get it up and running, considering <coughs> the Valley just recently finished it off and um, they had the three months off. <coughs> excuse me, which was um, took a bit of time and they punched out all those games. Now, last year, they started the season on the 9th of August, which is a normal starting time for them. And considering we're coming up to 12th of September, <coughs> excuse me, um, for a, a, a new start of the new season, they've done quite well. What do you think, Josh? you agree with that? Yeah, they've done they've done a fantastic job to get it finished because you know it was a very long wait. I, I know I know for one that that three months was very uh, how would you say I'll just say difficult. It was very difficult, you know, not having football around. And then once it finally came back, you know, and they finally got it finished. You know, we got to see United finish third, so you know, which was which was a pretty good end for us. And so, on the return, they were pretty hard to beat. Um, you know, oh they yeah, quite well. I think they had a favourable draw to a degree too the last few games, yeah. so made things a bit easier. So <clears throat> to start off our discussion around um, what what I envision us talking about, which is going to be our predictions of the top four and predictions for relegation for this year or this season, we need to welcome Leeds United, West Brom and Fulham to the uh, EPL. And we said goodbye to Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich City. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, the teams coming up will actually uh, taste a little bit of success and not beat United. Um, but other than that, my predictions for the top four is pretty much the same as this year's. But I, if anyone was to drop out of that, which would only probably be either uh, Chelsea or United... I do believe that um, the team that could sneak in would have been a Leicester City who just narrowly missed out. Um, and also the Wolves would be a chance. Unfortunately for Tottenham fans, I see them dropping down the table this year. Not dramatically, but I, I think what they finished sixth. I could see them finishing as low as eighth. That's just my feeling on things. I don't think um, Mourinho is the answer. And <clears throat> I do think they're going to go backwards. But, I mean, they're not going to bottom out, but they'll drop they'll drop out of contention for the top four where they were probably thereabouts this year. What are your thoughts for the top four for this year? Yeah, uh, pretty much the same as you. I got... I got Liverpool first, but this is this is if they sign Thiago Silva, who I think is one of the best midfielders in the world. So if they sign him, they'll be you know 
unfortunately, going back to back, I feel. But yeah, um, second uh, will be Man City. They'll be definitely chasing Liverpool. It'll be a very t- more, much more tighter race than than last season, where Liverpool ran away with it pretty much. Um, third will be Chelsea due to their signings they've made. They've probably had one of the best windows I've seen in football. Like you know, since I've been watching, it's probably one of the best windows. But um, it would just be a matter of fact if will they all gel? Will Lampard get them all gelling to actually get results? And fourth, I got us, got Man United because. Van der Beek is a very good signing. I just hope that, you know, it's all about, like, the whole midfield is balanced with Pogba and Fernandes because Van der Beek isn't naturally a number six. Yeah. That's that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And look, um, as far as the top two goes, I would have said it's a foregone conclusion if um, the Messi rumours had have come out to be factual and he hasn't um, backflipped and decided to stay at uh, Barca like he has um, because I, I actually believe um, City would be unstoppable with him in their lineup with what they've already got. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Um, look, as far as the Chelsea and United swapping positions, I would have thought um, it depends on what else United bring in. Uh, there's still talk of a couple extra guys coming in. They definitely need a, a recognised, mature striker, I think, um, to complement the younger guys in Rashford and Martial up forward. But um, the centre-back's the biggest problem, and an attacking centre-back is really needed. Yep, couldn't agree more. We are after um, Ulfa Makano from RB Leipzig, but he did re-sign, so it would be a lot more difficult trying to sign him. Because, yeah, I don't see him leaving after just re-signing with the club. That's the problem. Yeah, true. Very true. All right, so the the next step is the... Um, who do you see is um, under the pump for relegation for, next, for this um, coming season? I think... Um, I, I definitely think Fulham will finish last. I just don't see I just don't see a big big player in their team. I just think their team's not good enough to stay up personally. Um I got West Brom, obviously another promoted team. They've probably got maybe one or two good players that could probably happen, like uh, Matthias Pereira, who was the assist leader in the championship last season. Yeah. But um I still see them getting relegated. And uh, Aston Villa, I see them getting relegated because they were very lucky to stay up, like, one point. They were very lucky. And they rely way too much on Jack Rillash. Like, look, he's a really good player, in my opinion. Not worth $80 million, but he's definitely a good player. They'll just rely heavily too much on him to get them results, and that'll be their downfall, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, looking at last um, season's table... West Ham were only just, um, you know, uh, four points out of that sort of danger area, four to five points out then. You know, two games fall another way and they were under the pump. And the EPL actually need a team like West um, Ham because they do have quite a good cult following over there. So, you know, uh, there's there's quite a few teams that managed to stay out of that relegation um, zone. They wouldn't want to drop away because they weren't that far away from it. So now, if we have a quick look at uh, the first week, which starts um, a week from today, as we're yep. recording on the 5th, so the 12th of September, 
<clears throat> bear in mind, a couple of these games have been postponed due to the Europa League and the Champions League games in the elimination stage because um, they sort of have only really just finished playing over the last three weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, first game that was listed is Burnley versus Manchester United. That's postponed um, due to the Europa League. So the first game we're going to pick a winner from is the Crystal Palace Southampton. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, I think I think Southampton are going to win this one. Um, I, I put them 3-1 to beat Palace, even though Palace have shown up in, you know, important games, in big games. But I just... I feel like Southampton are going to be the better team. And uh, I'm predicting Danny Ings, who surprised many, um, coming second in the Golden Boot to score a hat-trick um, okay. to, really, to really fire in his you know, first game back. Okay. Could um, the next game, which is Fulham at home to Arsenal, could we see an upset? Could we see the Charity Shield winners going down? Yeah. <laughs> um, I really... I really think they won't lose to Fulham, personally. Um, I think it's a 4-1 win to Arsenal. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, look, you, you, would, you would presume even a team as up and down as Arsenal should win that one. <clears throat> yeah. Liverpool and Leeds United, it's lambs to the slaughter, really. It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, Liverpool at home to them as well. Uh, what sort of scoreline are you seeing in that one? Uh, I got Liverpool five one. I think they're gonna kill Leeds. Uh, Leeds will score first through Rodrigo, their um, their record their record signing. He'll score one goal in his debut game, and uh, Liverpool are just gonna smash them after that. I feel whether it's Salah, Mane, Firmino, choose your pick, <laughs> choose your pick. Yeah, yeah. get slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, I'll, I'll go a little bit different, similar, but a little bit different. I don't think Leeds will score. I reckon be five nil. Um, the next game that was scheduled was Man City versus Aston Villa. <clears throat> and that's postponed due to City um, only recently dropping out of the Champions League. Which brings us to Tottenham versus Everton at Tottenham. Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got this as a 2-2 draw, personally, because I think it'll be tight. You know, Mourinho is going to do what Mourinho does and plays bloody, uh, you know, park the bus. How, how the style is called these days. He's just going to be so defensive. Everton's going to come at him. But I really feel like Lloris is going to have a really good game. And uh, and Everton are equally going to let goals in because Pickford's just horrendous as a goalkeeper, I personally think. Yep. So, yeah, um, Everton's best win at a draw, 2-2. Yep. Well, I'll actually... Um, I see Everton winning at 1-0. Um, I... I believe Mourinho's style puts players under pressure when he parks the bus and mistakes happen. So I could see Everton getting up there, whether it be 1-0 or 2-1, but I could see them getting up. The next game we have is West Brom versus Leicester City. Uh, Before I hand over to you, Josh, I'll say straight out, Leicester City 2-0 and it'll be a brace to Vardy. Um, same here. Same here. Yeah. I'm going to say Leicester two nil. I I just don't see West Brom scoring against Leicester. Yeah, and they're going to have their first loss coming back out of Championship, unfortunately. Yep. 
then we've got West Ham home to Newcastle. You would you'd think the Hammers would get that done, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a bit of a different one here. I'm gonna say a one-one draw. It's gonna be it's gonna be tighter than we think. I personally reckon, and both goalkeepers will have good games. And I just don't see, you know, any team winning this game. And it's just gonna, you know, it's gonna make West Ham fans even more angry because it's gonna be at home. <laughs> yeah, true. And um, yeah, look, and and Newcastle would be happy with a a draw. Uh, away to West Ham, I reckon they'd be happy yeah. with a point Definitely. for sure. They wouldn't be disappointed that they didn't get three points. Put it that way. Yeah. Uh, second last game, we've got Brighton versus Chelsea. Um, Chelsea by how much? Uh, I could see Chelsea. <laughs> I could see Chelsea winning that six nil. Oh well, six nil. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've I've been a bit more generous to Brighton. I I said Chelsea three 0 and it's gonna be the scorers are gonna be Ziek, Werner and Havertz, three three um debutants. And you know, yeah, Havertz is gonna tear them up and prove why he's such a good player and one of the most talented ones in the world, I reckon. Well, the reason why I say as much as six nil, if Chelsea score early, especially get a, say if they get two goals in the first thirty minutes. I could see the floodgates opening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm predicting they will score score early. Um, the final game for the first week of the return is Sheffield United versus Wolves. <clears throat> I really rate the Wolves. Um, I, I believe if, you know, a few things go their way this year, they could potentially put pressure on that top four. They weren't far off it last year. And one thing, you know, after Wolves, they set up, and they're well-drilled. They set up really well, and they're well-drilled. I could see them getting up 2-1. Yeah, no, no um, I absolutely agree. Um, Wolves, I reckon, will get up 2-1 as well. And, um, look, Sheffield set up pretty well, well, just like Wolves. They, they have a quite a similar system going, both teams. It's like a like-for-like, like, so it's going to be a much closer game, but definitely Wolves 2-1 because of their attack just solely. They, um, and Sheffield, they probably won't have as much as a good season as they did last season, but they will be mid-table. And I reckon Hendo's a big loss for them, who's returned to United on uh, from a loan spell. Yep. Yep. That's fair call. Definitely agree with you there. So <clears throat> that's what we sort of think um, as far as the return to the EPL will go. Um, and look, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully... We're right. It'd be great to be able to say, hey, we got it right. So yeah. we're, we've got to the end of this, our first special edition of um, the MPO Sports Podcast. Uh, I just want to let our listeners know and remind them that um, we can be reached on Twitter at MPO Podcast, Facebook, MPO Sports Podcast. And if you want to reach us via email, we can be reached on mpopodcast at gmail.com. Please provide us with some feedback. And also, if you've got any ideas for some future specials, and we'll be able to get Aaron and Jeremy back on board for that because they are a wealth of knowledge and um, they love to talk. So, yeah, please give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. 
And if we don't hear from you in regards to some future specials, our next episode will be coming up in the next few weeks. And um, we look forward to talking all things sport. Uh, just before we go, I'd like to give Josh a plug. Josh Watson, who's joined me today with his um, editing skills. And he's also showed his knowledge on the round ball game today. So thanks, Josh. Yeah, no worries. No worries at all. It was a good chat. Thanks for having me on, Tim. And hopefully I can join in with um, when, uh, you know, when Jeremy, when Jeremy and Woody's on. So it'll be yeah, a good yeah. chat. <laughs> definitely. They, no, definitely. And look, two very colourful characters, to say the least. And Josh utilises music when he does his editing for our podcast, and that is Zaggy 2. So we appreciate the talents of Zaggy 2 with the intro music. So anyway, it's time to let everyone uh, relax and look forward to watching some EPL on the return. So it's Huru from me, and there's say Huru from me. No yep. worries. Catch you later. Yeah, bye.